Just a quick word of warning before we get going that the following podcast will almost certainly contain spoilers and may also contain strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Hello and welcome to a special year-ender bonus ode of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm still a lapsed horror writer and still an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart, I'm occasionally a filmmaker, but now I'm more turkey than man. (laughs) Merry Christmas, my friend. Gobble, gobble. Now, we did say that we might crop up between Christmas and New Year with a little something. Yeah, this is coming as a surprise to absolutely no one. Yeah, if you've been listening to the show for more than a year, (laughs) then I suppose, (laughs) or if you've been binging on back episodes this year, then it's probably not that surprising that we have popped up between Christmas and New Year with a top fives episode. Yes, and this isn't just the top five films of the year, no, 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 no. We're also going to look at our top five episodes of the year. Yeah, and uh, we're not going to do them in any particular order because it seems strange to rank our friends in order of preference. (laughs) Sure, sure. Although we do have a very clear order in our minds. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you probably know which number you are, but I'm not going to say it. So yeah, before we get to the films of the year, or our films of the year at least, uh, let's take a look at our favourite episodes of the year then. Um, so do you have any kind of honourable mentions for this? I do, I just want to make special mention for, to a couple of things really. Uh, firstly, we did a live show this year, it was our only live show we managed to do this year because of Covid and things like that. It was round about the time of Fright Fest, so kind of really early, late February, early March, and we were joined at the Admiral Bar in Glasgow by our pal, Graham Hughes, director of Death of a Vlogger, and we talked about Godzilla. Uh, mm-hmm. 1998's Godzilla, I should say. Yep, that was a great time. Yeah, so that's that's there as an honourable mention, because I felt it deserved mention, because, like, like we say, normally we try to do a few of these every year, but this year has been so different that we've only managed to do one in-person show this year, and the rest have been like watch-alongs and uh, kind of live shows over Zoom and things like that. So uh, yeah, it's been interesting in that regard, but I wanted to mention it because it's special to me because, yeah, it's the only one. Yeah, I think that that's, that's probably a fair thing to flag up because we obviously had plans to do a few more things that kind of got derailed. We will be back, hopefully, in 2021 if um, <laughs> if, uh, if everyone screws a heat and we get this done. But um, yeah, I have my five, obviously, but I wanted to mention a couple as well. About as hardwired into the DNA as anybody of the show is Duncan McLeish. Ah, okay. Um, this is also in my honourable mentions list. So Duncan's been on three times now. He was a very, very early doors Rawhead Rex. Um, also appeared for episode 50, mm-hmm. uh, covering the hole, and this year came back with the people under the stairs. Now, I remember this, and I wanted to mention it specifically, because I'd had, for whatever reason, I don't remember exactly, but I'd had an absolute shiter of a day. Uh-huh. that day we were recording it and it was one of those days where i came home and i was like right i am now kind of giving over my whole evening to this i'm going to watch the film and then we're going to record after it and then we got and i was like right let's let's just see where this takes us so after like five minutes of the film i was like well this is obviously going to be great and then 10 minutes into the conversation i'd like laughed myself stupid a bunch of times and i remember thinking i am very glad that we're doing this today and i'm very glad that we do this in general because it was kind of like without knowing it it was exactly what my day needed 
and it's one of my favourite episodes of the year for that reason. I've, I've mentioned this on the show before, but there comes a kind of point where quite often it gets, not like a chore, but sometimes you're like, oh, I can't be bothered with this tonight. Like, I really can't. I just want to sit in my ass and do nothing. Um, yeah, because if you get to the end of like an eight, nine, ten hour work day, and then we're yeah. doing this, you know, it's like it's 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 don't mind admitting that it's sometimes difficult to be kind of like on and in jokey mode. Yeah, when that's not necessarily your inclination in the moment, but it's always once it's off, once it's off and running, you're kind of away and you're fine. Yeah, I, th- I think it's like any kind of performance, really, like whether it's like playing a gig, uh, or whether it's getting up on stage and talking to people, like uh, giving a presentation, whatever it might be. You always get that moment where you're like, oh, I really would rather be anywhere else right now, but then. I've had it loads of times, and then once you're sat there, and once the conversation starts flowing, and if the conversation's flowing well, you're just like, this is exactly where I'm meant to be right now. Absolutely. Totally agree. Totally agree. Do you have any other um, honourable mentions before we go on? I don't. I don't have any other honourable mentions. The reason Duncan didn't crack the top five is because I think he had two or something in last year's top five. So... (laughs) (laughs) so There's nothing coming over him. He's only getting an honourable mention... And we'll see if he features at all next year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because he'll definitely be back. We can be sure of that much. I'm saying. Um, I have one more that I want to mention quickly. And that was our episode on The Exorcist 2. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with Dean Capsalis that directed The Swerve. Now, I wanted to mention this because this is one of the only times where someone has picked a film and there's actually been like an instant negative backlash at the time of the announcement where people have been like, what is this guy thinking? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, it was a fairly bold selection, I think. But I went into it, having not watched The Exorcist in ages, Mm-hmm. perfectly enjoyed it for what it was but I thought that it was one of those conversations where like Dean was very aware of the things about it that were silly but also obviously has this very kind of like deep-seated love for it and it was good in the way that like it was one of those ones where you kind of just knew that you could introduce a topic and just let someone talk and I really love doing that when somebody's knowledgeable and fun in the way that Dean was yeah sure yeah mm-hmm. like that a lot but yeah that was my other that was my other honorable mention so two or fives then I want to say something really quickly which is that to insulate myself against accusations of nepotism i um i'm not mentioning a ghost weights in my five films and i'm not mentioning adam stovall's episode in my top five for the year okay well i just want to say something before we start our top fives here since john crennan in january last year our first episode of 2020 to laura and ashley carter just a couple of weeks ago every one of our guests this year has been absolutely amazing and i've said it before thanks to everybody for taking time out this i think for my money, has been one of the strongest years in terms of guests. Me and Mitch haven't featured quite as often as we have in past years for a start. So it's uh, it's just really great that people continue to come on and do this. So please, again, don't think this is in any way a popularity contest. It is not. No, not at all. Not at all. So uh, do you want to mention one? Yes, I am going to actually mention the episode that we did with Adam Stovall on Gremlins 2. This was great. And I think that the way that it came about was really fun as well, mm-hmm. because obviously Adam had been in Glasgow for the world premiere of A Ghost Waits, the original cut of it. And we caught him on the last night before he flew back to America. Now, he could have been spending that. He'd been over here for like a week or something. Sure. He'd been away to England and back. He could have spent his last night in the UK however he pleased. So it was very cool that he actually came out to your house to record at HQ. Yes. And little did we know at the time, of course, that that would be our last in-person guest and our second last in-person recording of the year. Yeah, I mean, I remember when we had Adam here in the house and we were sitting, we were drinking beers, 
recording the episode. It was actually a really lovely night. But I remember there was a few moments where we kind of joked about COVID and the impact of COVID and whether or not Adam would even be able to get home. And again, it was like that kind of, there's a naive charm to that because it was just like days before the world just fell apart. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, we were very lucky to get that in, actually. Yeah, oh, 100%. And I suppose that's true of everything that we did at Fright Fest and all that kind of stuff as well. Um, so, yeah, no, I thought I thought that was a really fun episode too. Um, and, yeah, in-person guests, not a thing of the past, but certainly a distant memory. Yeah, yeah, and hopefully they will they will return. We've had to kind of adapt to, to Zoom and adapt to Zencaster and adapt to all the various ways that we speak to guests now. But I do think over the internet, you, you miss certain things that you pick up with someone in person and it's a bit easier to kind of bounce off someone. Yeah, it's certainly, it's certainly a very different beast. But yeah, it's, it's been interesting to kind of have to do a little bit more of that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no big surprise from my first mention then, uh, Lucky McKee. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. Lucky joined us a few weeks ago now. Yeah, about a month or six weeks ago or so. Uh, May and the woman director, Lucky McKee, joined us to talk about passion, the... Uh, Brian De Palma Lifetime film. <laughs> Fuck off. Uh, yeah, Brian De Palma's... I mean, the man's no stranger to a smoky thriller. Let's say that. But this this is up there with perhaps one of his smokiest. I would say it's certainly. Like, I mean, I, I haven't seen the others, but I could hardly see the screen for smoke. Yeah, sure. And again, I, I, I should I do say get your eyes checked. <laughs> that sh- that shouldn't happen. That like you know like that's that's not normal. But um uh, yeah, that was a pretty great one and a big deal for me as well because obviously mm. May is like my favorite film ever. So huge. Yeah, I think I managed to keep my composure reasonably well. Yeah, yeah, on mic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No comment about the rest of it. Um, another one for you then. I'm gonna go with the last guest of the year, Lauren Ashley Carter, who joined us to talk Frankenhooker just a couple of weeks ago. This was in mine as well. Oh, is it? Brilliant. Lovely. There will be overlap, listeners. There, of course, will be overlap here. Um, Yeah, yeah, I I just thought this was a really amazing, fun conversation. I know, again, it was a guest that you wanted on the show since the start of this. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Over the past little while, me and Lauren have got quite friendly. So it was nice to have her come on the show. Because this was in the works for a long time. Originally, the plan was to do Ernest Scared Stupid. And then we kind of that, that kind of changed over time because I think I believe Lauren said she was genuinely afraid of that film, which all right, okay, which is bizarre. But uh, yeah, we, we did Frank and Hooker. It was our third Frank Henenlotter film, maybe in around about a year. Yeah, there or thereabouts. Yeah, um, and it was just a really lovely time. Lauren was amazing. She was funny. She was clever. She was erudite. Yeah, it was excellent. It was really great and a, a great way to close out the year because I think actually we had a really strong run towards the, the end of the year as well. Oh, definitely, yeah. Speaking of which, we did have Sam Ashurst back towards the end of the year. However, the episode of his that made mine was his first appearance on the show, The Garbage Pail Kids. This is also on my list. <laughs> <laughs> I did have a feeling it might be. Um, so we uh, had Sam on originally when um, his film, A Little More Flesh, was starting to do the rounds at festivals and things like that, we had cycled through a couple of ideas for titles, including the director's cut of Batman vs. Superman. No, um, no, no. Yep, well, yep, we did eventually negotiate him down to the Garbage Pail Kids, which is still a fucking gross film. <laughs> it's a horrible experience, but a very, very funny episode. And we've been lucky enough to have Sam back again, just again, just a few weeks ago, talking about the Toxic Avenger. But this one is the one for me, because I, I was allowed to to fly free and be as gross as I wanted to be. I was allowed to live my inner garbage pail kid fantasy. Absolutely, that's exactly what you were doing. Um, Also, uh, that episode famous for Sam's now legendary uh, 
Garbage Pail Kids Nightingale comparison. Oh, of course, of course, yeah, yeah. And there's books being written about that now. And there will be for, uh, by future civilizations as well. <laughs> um, okay, so two to go then. Uh, what's your next one? Up next, Orphan with Brendan Steer. <laughs> this is also on mine. <laughs> this might be my favourite of the year. I had an absolute blast with this. Really, really loved this chat. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And it was really great to revisit Orphan as well, but I think we all just relaxed quite quickly into the fact that this film is fucking bonkers. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, Brendan came at it with the precise kind of the kind of level of understanding of what we do, but also you could tell that he really loved the film. We all really liked the film, I think. Yeah. But um, it was just it was something that was just like suitably ridiculous to really tick the boxes as well. I've got to say though, Mitch, I would have been surprised if the director of The Velocipaster had come onto this show and been really kind of academic and serious and dry. This is very true. Speaking of which, the Velocipaster is worth your time. <laughs> yeah, that's a wild 70-odd minutes. <laughs> Definitely. So, uh, one more each if my counting is right. Okay, I- I'm wondering if we're going to overlap again here. Well, let's just see what you got. Okay, going back a few months now, Jed Shepard, mm-hmm. Teen Witch. Ah, okay. I didn't have this, but this oh. was uh, this this was this was in my shortlist as well, though. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, this one kind of came about um, in a slightly unusual way. In as much as we were originally going to have Rob Savage, a director, a host, yes, and ultimately, obviously, what with Rob being the most in demand man in genre cinema and possibly cinema in the world at the moment, um, that did not come to fruition. However, Rob, very uh, kind of decently of him as well, uh, kind of just said look, this isn't going to pan out, but the producer, Jed, would be great at this. And he was not wrong. No, having Jed on the show was an absolute treat. And it was kind of cool the way it came around. And hopefully maybe once Rob's finished with the Blumhouse film that he's just, I believe he's just finished shooting, uh, maybe we can cycle back round to Rob at some point and have him back on the show. But yeah, Jed was great. Um, Teen Witch, it was a first viewing for me. And it was an absolute fucking treat. Now, this was only the time where we had a few first viewings for you all at once, which was kind of fun as well. Yeah, Teen Witch, Shackma. Well, I, th- I think Passion was around then as well. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, but yeah, Teen Witch, obviously a first watch for me as well. Probably the most liberal that we've been with the uh, criteria for the film. But we looked at it and was like, fuck it, it's about a witch. Do you know what? I regret nothing. No, absolutely not. Me neither. Me neither. Yeah, I love everything about this film. And it's, uh, it's weird musical numbers and that gross little brother that's always eating. Yeah, Jed can come back anytime, in my estimation. Yeah, brilliant stuff. Brilliant stuff. So, okay, we had a divergence of opinion there. So that only leaves one film yeah, really, left for you. What is it? Really not many there. We had a lot of uh, a lot of overlap. Uh, we had another returning guest this year that um, I was very pleased to have back on. Also, we had to record this episode in two parts over two evenings. I think that in the aftermath, now that a few months have passed, it's okay to come out and admit that. Um, <laughs> I can't remember what it was that happened that meant that we had to do that. But um, she was a great sport about that as well. Joey Keo returned this uh, this year to talk Neil Marshall's Hellboy. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I forgot I watched that again this year. <laughs> um, I did not forget that I watched it for the first time. Um, Joey approaching this with much of the same kind of energy and sense of humor as she did when she did Queen of the Damned way back when, when she made the list last year. Yeah, amazing. Joey's a great guest. I, I, I would recommend anyone out there who has a podcast to have Joey on because she really is an absolute dream. Yeah, just be aware that she'll be funnier than you. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. She's she's hilarious. But I mean, this is just the tip of the iceberg of the year we've had. Um, so yeah, that's some of our favourites, but I genuinely think that 
pretty much everyone that we've had on this year. It's everything's worked out great. It's always been fun conversations. So uh, yeah, more of that in twenty twenty one, please. Yeah, yeah, and of course we'll be announcing our first guest of the year on our mini sode on January the fourth. Sure will. So, moving on to the top five films for each of us then from the year. Now, I think that we should do honourable mentions last year, so I don't mention something in my mentions that's in your five. I feel like if it's in your five, you should talk about it. Okay. <laughs> if that makes sense, you know. So, do you want to do your five, then my five, or do you want to do turnabout? Now, can I ask you, are these in order? I have a five to one on this, yeah, and I've got five honourable mentions. I did a ten, so I've got five honourable mentions on my top five. Okay, okay. I'll do mine in order as well, then. So, I'm going to start okay. at number five with Swallow. Uh, this is directed by Carlo Mirabella Davis. It's the story of a pregnant woman and a kind of... Like, her husband's not really fussed, to be honest. They just, they just kind of move around each other. Um, and she develops this compulsion to eat increasingly dangerous objects. So it kind of starts with like tacks and batteries and stuff like that. And then it gets increasingly more and more dangerous and deadly from that point on. But it's a really great film. It's really well made. Uh, I, I said to you months ago, I think you would really like this. Yeah, I think it's more accessible now than it was as well. Um, so my plan is definitely to get to it. It's kind of on the list of things that I kind of wish I'd gotten to. I did manage to do a little bit of cramming mm-hmm. um, before I put together this list, but that was just not one that I didn't make it to. Um, but it does sound like something I'd like, but it does also on paper sound like something you'd absolutely love. Yeah, and, and do you know what? It's disturbing and it's distressing at points, and it's weird. It's distressing right towards the end as well, but there's something really tender and moving in it as well it's not just this series of increasingly disgusting events it's not like something i made <laughs> okay that's it's good important disclaimer to put on that but you, you know what i mean by that like, yeah no i do i do um right do, do you want to complete your countdown or do you want my number five give me your number five Okay, my number five is Jill Gavargazian's The Stylist. Okay, now I have this on my honourable mentions list. Okay, that's cool. Um, So, I mean, anyone who listens to the show regularly will know a lot about Jill and a lot about this film. Obviously, it took its origins in a 2016 short, um, which kind of became this kind of proof of concept for the feature, which had this runaway Kickstarter that went really well. Mm -hmm. Amazingly assured feature debut from Jill, a really convincing and kind of organic fleshing out of the story from the original. Great performances in here from the Jared Townsend Grant and basically everyone else as well but um yeah like I say about as strong of a kind of best foot forward for a feature debut as I've seen in a while and uh coming out on Arrow this year as well which is pretty sweet yeah un- unbelievable stuff from Joe I've known Joe for quite a long time now we've had films on the festival circuit at the same time so to see Joe put out a film with the quality of the stylist for our first feature is just incredibly inspiring and I'm I'm just pleased to bits for all. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, what I can say for sure as well is that Jill will probably be rejoining this in 2021 for Anaconda 4. I would imagine that to be the case. I would also expect that to potentially be around about the time that the Arrow video release comes out. I think that that would be a sensible time to do that. Yeah, so, number four. Okay, relatively new. Anything for Jackson. Oh, okay. Um, this was, like, this actually landed just outside my 10 in the end, but right. uh, this is a cracking film. Yeah, loved it. It was a kind of late addition because we did see it so late. I think we only talked about it on maybe the last minisode that we did of the year. Yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty late in arriving to Shudder uh, mm. in 2020 as well. I think that we both caught it pretty sharply after it came out, but yeah, this had been kind of, um, this reverse exorcism story um, mm. had been kind of generating a little bit of buzz on the festival circuit, so I'm glad that I had a chance to catch it for the year was out yeah i love that great performances it's occasionally funny it's occasionally weird it's got some nightmarish imagery in it it 
quite scary at points. I, I I thought it was great, and I'm so glad I caught it before the end of the year so I could include it in this. Yeah, no, it's a super, super interesting film. Um, Yeah, I really liked it too. Uh, like I said, don't let the fact that it's not in my list uh, detract from the fact that I definitely think you should go see it. <laughs> um, My number four is actually one that I haven't had a chance to talk to you about because um, I just saw it at Mitch Harrod's uh, Soho Home Horror Festival. Of course, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, last weekend, Cody Callahan's The Oak Room. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I knew nothing about this. Uh, it was the secret film at Mitch's Festival um, just a couple of weeks back there. So how this works is that you've got this guy about to close up his bar for the night. He's played by Peter Outerbridge, who uh, is in Saw 6. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's like the the lead in the B story in Saw 6. And uh, this guy turns up, who's played by RJ Mitty, um, Walt Jr. from Breaking Bad. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> So he shows up and basically he's the son of a former regular at the bar who's now dead. Oh, right, okay. It's fairly it's fairly obvious from the outset that Peter Outerbridge's character thinks he's a waste of space, but he's like, "Look, can I tell you this story?" And that's how it and that's how it starts and it basically widens out and part of him telling the story means that we cut to a very similar conversation in a different bar. Okay. And it doesn't really like in terms of like the actual kind of scope of the film it doesn't widen out beyond that but the way the story unfolds is really good but it's super tense i really really like this a lot there's a couple of things from uh from mitch's festivals that were kind of almost in my 10 as well okay stuff like um the threshold uh, make it in no but again that was like that was on the fringes as well uh another great film be. so yeah mitch's probably doing most more grafting than anybody for the genre this year in terms of like bringing films to people at a time where it's like not the easiest thing in the world to do by the way mitch harrod has had an absolutely unbelievable year that man deserves a nap um, let the man sleep for a couple of weeks and then do it all again. <laughs> but yeah, definitely a medal for services to honour, I think, this year. For sure. So your number three? His House. Ah, one for my honourable mentions list then. Ah, yeah, yeah. This is amazing. It's on Netflix now. It's the story of some Sudanese refugees who come to the UK. And uh, it's fair to say things don't necessarily go as well for them as they might have hoped. Yeah, this is a this is this is a very scary, very hard hitting film, but it's scary in a couple of different ways. I think yeah. that both mm-hmm. in the way that it channels kind of like supernatural horror, but also very real, real world horror as well. Yeah, the, the I'd say the largest amount of the horror in it really is coming from that kind of social message that's in there. Um, this is a very powerful film. It's a very very good film, and it's a frequently scary film. I can't recommend that enough. I loved it. Yeah, it's outstanding. Really, really harrowing stuff. I would say that like you would need to be in the frame of mind to watch something that you really need to sit and watch and also something that is going to probably challenge you quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, great stuff and absolutely worth the investment. Totally agree. So a Shudder film for my number three. Okay, I'm, I've got a fair idea what this is. Well, yeah, I was pretty effusive about it at the time. Lorcan Finnegan's Vivarium. Oh, that was not what I thought you were going to say. Ah, I didn't see that coming, did you? No, no, no. I, I went crazy for this one earlier on in the year, Imogen Poots and Jesse Eisenberg as um, a couple who go to kind of look at a property on this kind of weird housing estate and when they try to escape the roads, I'll just take them back around in a circle, they get stuck in this weird house and get landed with this weird child to look after and when I say weird child, absolutely fucking terrifying, completely redefined my notion of the cinematic scary kid. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I thought this was absolutely tremendous. It's that kind of very serious-faced, slow-burn, eccentric sci-fi that i swallow whole i thought it was really good not for everybody i wouldn't say but very much for me yeah amazing okay uh my number two going back way way back to the start of the year for lee Wanell's the invisible man 
God, you love this one, don't you? Oh, I fucking love it. Yeah, absolutely. It was one of the last kind of big studio films, I think, that I saw this year. Mm-hmm. I managed to get it like on... Remember when uh, Universal did that home release thing? Where they put out this and the hunt mm-hmm. and I think like Little Women or something like that around about the same time. Yeah, I absolutely love this film. If you don't know what it's about, Elizabeth Moss believes her abusive partner has killed himself. That is not the case. He is now the titular Invisible Man, and he is making her life a fucking misery. Yeah, to say the very least of it. Yeah, um, I really like this as well. I think that after this and Upgrade, you've got no real reason left to question. Um, Lee Winnell's directorial chops? No, none, none at all. And I think he's doing The Wolfman now. Am I right in thinking that? Uh, yes, I think that is right. Yeah, with Ryan Gosling? Yeah, yeah. I believe, which is pretty cool. Um, my number two, um, another one that was made by one of our guests and somebody that we've mentioned already, Sam Ashurst's A Little More Flesh. Oh, lovely. So, yeah, I thought that this was, uh, I thought this was amazing. We were kind of in amongst the first kind of people to see this outside of the bubble of people who made it, actually, because Sam was very generous with um, hooking us up with this one. But, yeah, really, really clever. Basically, what you're watching is a director's commentary of the film God's Lonely Woman uh, by the director Stanley Doral, (laughs) who is voiced by Sam himself. This gets incrementally creepier, also really funny, ends ultimately absolutely horrifyingly. Um... (laughs) Yeah, I can't remember. Uh, like the the only thing that I can really think of as a comparison point to this is the Inside Number Nine episode, The Devil of Christmas. All right, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I uh, I thought this was really striking. I've now seen it twice, and yeah, if anything, I got more out of it when I knew how it was going to unfold in the end on second watch. Uh, this is streaming everywhere on Troma now. Of course, yeah, yeah. Which is because it's an American site. It's only like three four quid a month or something like that it's nothing uh worth it just to dig this out honestly and check it out it's so so good yeah there's um, a 30 day so yeah. free there's a 30 day free trial on there so you can get that free trial fill your eyes with trauma stuff and watch a little more flesh there you go can't say further than that so yeah uh yeah massive congratulations to sam on this one because i thought yeah. it was absolute genius um so time's come for your number one i've got hunch here <laughs> Again, this isn't going to come as a surprise to anyone at all. My number one film of the year is Brandon Cronenberg's Possessor. Did have a feeling, you know. Now, <laughs> um, uh, I'm going to let you talk about this one, obviously, because uh, it's your number one. I caught up with this just in the days before we did this. Um, it's not on my list, but I absolutely loved it. Brilliant, eh? Yeah, really, really great. Also, like, absolutely horrifying. <laughs> yeah, and again, massive love to Dan Martin. He's a fucking maniac. Like, some of the stuff that he's put together for this in terms of the, the practical effects is just wild. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 really, really fucked up. <laughs> Further reinforcing my opinion that Dan is the best stab guy working. Oh, God, yeah. It's like that multiple neck stab thing right at the start. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is a, a, Andrea Riseborough plays this kind of high-tech assassin who kind of invades people's bodies and pilots them around yep. essentially while they uh, commit while, while they commit assassinations for this shadowy organisation, a, a Titan Globoplex, if you if you will. <laughs> sure. Um, and then what happens is when she she's tasked with this job, um, take out this character played by Sean Bean, mm-hmm. which is also horrible, by the way. Um, yeah, that's oh, that's really gross. Yeah, yeah. her and her, uh, I guess the vessel that she's inhabiting, they kind of start to become a bit more aware of each other, and things get m- muddied, and yeah, 
it's uh, it's just a fucking great film. It's like super cool, super dark, just really complex, interesting filmmaking. Yeah, uh, I think that that kind of it's got that kind of same uh, very austere, very surgical vibe that Antiviral did, but uh, very different beast as well. Like, yeah. and I, th- I think like I know love Antiviral, but it's a marked step up from that as well. I would say I would agree with that. Actually, I mean, as as cool and sterile as Antiviral is, I feel that there's um, this is a much richer experience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my number one uh, this year is one that we have raved about quite a bit as well. Probably won't come as a big surprise to anybody either, but yeah, the Mortuary Collection. Wow, okay, this is on my honourable mentions. Yeah, I uh, really love this. I had a feeling that I might. Um, so from Ryan Spindell, who you may know from the short film The Babysitter Murders, which obviously makes it in here as yeah. the final segment of this anthology, but um, also the Burnt Offerings episode of our show. Yeah, that was a, that, another great episode, by the way. Have, having Ryan on to, to talk about Burnt Offerings was was brilliant. Yeah, uh, this is I, I really love this. Um, it is basically what you have. Uh, it's an anthology where this uh, this mortician is recounting some stories from what he's encountered in his career to um, a young girl who has responded to an advert uh, for help there. Yeah. And basically the first three stories are stories that he tells her. The last one is one that she tells him. Uh, I love this. I think that it is an anthology with a very high hit rate. I like the fact that the form of the stories is different every time like there's a couple that are kind of really short and quite punchy there's a few that are a little bit longer form i think that considering uh we've spoken about it a fair bit on the patreon and stuff like that when we reviewed it but uh when ryan spoke about the process of actually making the film to get an understanding of what went into it over such a long period of time it's amazing the way that it hangs together visually with this kind of whole like this very cool kind of dreamlike thing production design in this is incredible it really is. I think it's 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 as good as in any film we've seen this year. But yeah, uh, loved it. Really, really loved it. And again, if anybody wants to check this out, it's on Shutter everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, but can't wait to see what's next from Ryan because I think also as a feature debut again, it's just a really exciting one. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Like I say, it's it's in my honourable mentions list. And Ryan's just a lovely guy. He's pulled his heart and soul into this film, and it shows. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So speaking of honourable mentions, then what was left on your list? Okay, I've only got a few things left on my list that I wanted to mention. I wanted to mention Relic. Yep, that was on mine. Yep, great film. Excellent. I wanted to mention La Llorona. Oh, another Shudder film. Yeah, which we also did a, an episode on a while ago. We did yeah, a, a, a yeah. patrons-only episode where we kind of watched this and reviewed it. This is one that kind of snuck up on me to an extent. This is also a Shudder exclusive or a Shudder original. I can't remember which. So this is a Guatemalan film, and it's kind of mm-hmm. set in the aftermath of a genocide there, where we have the, the film opens with some really harrowing testimony at the trial of a war criminal accused of kind of masterminding this genocide. Again, this is another one of those films similar to His House, where the actual social thing is far more horrifying than the the film itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, yeah, definitely. The, the real world atrocity is worse. I mean, it, it comes about as close to being a horror as we can kind of push it because the horror elements aren't really massive at all, but it's a great film. Yeah, really, really good. Um, again, I, I just like I knew nothing about it going in. It was a real wild card, and I thought it was fantastic. Definitely worth a look. Yeah, check it out. And like we say, it's on Shudder as well. And the only other thing I wanted to mention was Host. Ah, yeah, definitely the um, the most talked about genre film of the year. I don't think there's any denying that. Uh, from Rob Savage and Jed Shepard, the Zoom Seance movie. <laughs> yeah, pretty much exactly that, the Zoom Seance movie. This is great. 60 minutes, doesn't outstay its welcome. It's exciting, it's scary, it's funny. It's the only film that's managed to do that 
correctly this year that I've seen. Yeah, I would say that's probably true. It leans pretty nicely. I've, I've seen it work in short form, uh, the Zoom stuff in horror. Like, I've seen it work in short form with things like Godam sure. uh-huh. and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, in terms of feature stuff, it's comfortably the best use of that that I've seen. Uh, yeah, this is great. It's, again, on Shudder. A lot of the stuff we're talking about are. Shudder have had a great year. Really have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Like, absolutely killing it. I'm excited to see what 2021 brings for them as well. Got to say, a bit of a blip there, though, when they put Verotica up. Yeah, you know, can't be right all the time. No, no. So that was my honourable mentions list there. Uh, what about you? What have we missed? Uh, just a couple more to mention. Uh, Dean Capsalis is the Swerve, which closed oh. out the London Digital Fright Fest in August. Um, absolutely horrifying story of uh, kind of one woman falling apart, uh, played by Azura Sky. Absolutely unbelievable sound performance. performance about about as good a performance as anyone put in in anything this year, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, unbelievably harrowing. Like, proper head in hands, groaning out loud stuff at some of the misery in this, which yeah. uh, doesn't sound like a barrel of laughs, but it is definitely worth your time. Yeah, it's a great um, It really is, i got to say. Speaking of films that played at that Fright Fest event, Tyler Savage's Blinders. Oh, right, okay. I just want to touch on that really briefly, just um, uh, about a guy that moves to a new city to kind of get away from his failed relationship and kind of just get kind of a new start and uh, makes friends with this very creepy Lyft driver. Right. Uh, played by Michael Lee Joplin, who is absolutely, like, in terms of, like, pitching that level of creepiness, that kind of stockery thing, uh, does that really well. Um, it sounds like this is going over, like, very familiar territory. As it turns out, this kind of widens out into something a little bit bigger and a little bit smarter than that, and uh, I thought this was great. I'm unsure when people are going to be able to see it in general, but it's one to keep an eye out for, so that's blinders. Okay. And uh, Bria Grant's 12-hour shift. Oh, right, okay, amazing, yeah, yeah, I had a lot of fun with this. Yeah, yeah, um, another one actually from that Fright Fest, now I think about it, but um, yeah, all set over the measure of one 12-hour shift. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a part horror, part crime caper uh, <laughs> film. Uh, I thought that this was really interesting, um, a really, really cool film. Love the fact that it does kind of make some really eccentric choices, like the fact there's a musical number in there, <laughs> and things like that. Really, really interesting stuff. Uh, I think that, well, I know that America is getting that one. Uh, it's available kind of uh, pretty much now over there, but I think that there's a word of it seeing the light of day in the UK next year too. So hopefully people will be able to catch up with that kind of en masse very soon. Yeah. But that is just, again, the kind of tip of the iceberg of what a good year it's been. I, When I was going back through, trying to even come up with a short list for a 10, let alone a 5, I couldn't believe how much good stuff there was to sift through. And it's been a weird year where things have had to adapt in the entire way that we consume things and festival titles and stuff like that has changed. The people who are working on doing these things right now, whether it be kind of online stuff or people like Rob and Lucy and Polly with Say Loud, which happened in person this year, mm-hmm. everyone has had to adapt and everyone has knocked their pans in and delivered these unbelievable lineups of things and given us so much stuff to check out and given platforms to people at a time where, like I say, it's getting increasingly challenging to do that. Hopefully by the time kind of like the second half of next year rolls around, some of these festivals will be a little bit kind of back to some kind of semblance of normality but gotta take my hat off to the people who because like oh you know like if if, we, if it wasn't for these online festivals my list would have been quite shite this year <laughs> um so yeah people are still working incredibly hard to give us the opportunity to see these things um which is great both for audiences and these filmmakers so there's a lot to be said for that as well uh, absolutely every single person uh, every single festival that is taking the time to look at ways that they can continue to do their festival, put their product out, whether that's festivals in America, like big festivals in America who are going not just like geographically locked, but they're opening it up wider. I mean, it's it's really amazing. And even looking at distribution companies like the guys at Arrow, they're still managing to churn stuff out and still 
get the product out there to people. I've seen very little delay on anything. Like, there was a, a, a period round about summer where things slowed down very, very slightly, but they're still putting out amazingly strong stuff all the time. And, and it's not just Arrow, I just use them as an example, but like, it's it's been remarkable how well people have adapted to this year and continued to get the horror into your hands. Absolutely. So that's our take on 2020 and our favourite films, but we'd love to know yours as well. Oh yeah, definitely. Get in touch through all the usual channels if you feel like there's anything that we've missed or anything that we've done a disservice to here. <laughs> <laughs> Facebook and Instagram are Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC. You can email scenes at gmail.com and you can, of course, join the Facebook group, The Chud Locker, to mostly talk about terrible films. By the way, there's loads of films I haven't even seen this year that I was dying to see. Things like The Dark and the Wicked, things like Spontaneous, things like Freaky. Yeah, Wolf of Snow Hollow. Yeah, and hopefully I'll get a chance to see all of that stuff kind of next year, but yeah, let us know if we've been way off base here or if you've anything we've said that we love that you think shit, let us know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, in the meantime, you can check out our Patreon page if you're feeling particularly generous coming into New Year. That's patreon.com forward slash strong language violence scenes. We should be taking delivery of some merchandise very, very soon because it is being produced as we speak. Yeah, we've been approving proofs and all sorts. Oh, proofs. Proofs a go-go. Kind of get moved for proofs over here. Jesus. However, we will be back on your main feeds on the 4th of January with the first mini-sode of 2021. Before that, we hope that you're joining us on the 30th for the Zoom watch-along film TBA. Yeah, film to be announced. Keep your eye on the social medias for that. That'll be Wednesday the 30th at 8pm on Zoom. And that is open to everyone. That's not just open to patrons. No, pile in, the more the merrier. Yeah, absolutely. Get your cans open and let's have a laugh before 2020. And really bring 2020 to a close. Yeah, with a little bit of flair, as we're wont to do. (laughs) Get your costume on, Mitch, this time. Absolutely. If we don't see you then, we'll hopefully see you on the 4th for the first mini-sode of the year. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds. Goodbye. Happy New Year when it comes, guys. Bye. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean.